We have been in a series called Walking with God Through Uncertain Times. And I made mention last week that when you're going through times of uncertainty, like COVID-19, that you need to focus on those things that don't change. And God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God from one generation to the next generation. And we looked at the first quality of God, that he is a good God, that God is good, that God is a good God, and he is good all the time. Today we're going to take a look at the fact that God is the source of all things. And that's going to address this need that we have in our life, especially right now with so much influx of worry. But first, let me give you some facts about God. The first one is simply this, that God is the source of all things. You don't have to look anywhere else. You don't, you don't have to look to Wall Street. You don't have to look to the government. You don't have to look to uh, your spouse. You, you definitely don't want to look at your 401k, okay? God is the source of everything. Now, here is my point. If you're going to put your security into something, you need to put your security into something that can't be taken away from you. Because if it can be taken away from you, it's going to produce insecurity within. You can lose your health. You can lose your job. Folks, you can lose your mind, and some of us are with all the kids in the house. What I am saying is don't put your security in anything or anyone. Put your security into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what David said. We're studying Psalms 23. In Psalms 1, or Psalms 23, verse 1, he says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. He is saying there that God is the source of everything as his shepherd. What is a shepherd? A shepherd is a person who takes care of sheep. Sheep are defenseless. They have lots of predators, and so they need a shepherd to watch over them. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd does three things. It leads, it feeds, and it meets needs. That's what a shepherd does. It leads, it feeds, and it meets needs. And David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the source of everything, and he's going to lead, feed, and meet needs in my life. Now, it's pretty obvious that in a time like this, we have all kinds of needs that are surfacing to the top. We have the, the need of protection, the need of comfort, the need of encouragement, the need of direction, the need of even discipline. Moms and dads, you are a shepherd. You are to lead, uh, feed, and meet needs in your family. Managers, you are a shepherd. You are to lead, feed, and meet needs in your, with your employees. Uh, the, the word shepherd in Greek means pastor. I am a shepherd of this spiritual flock. I am to lead, feed, and meet needs. A small group leader, you are a shepherd. You are to lead, feed, and meet needs. 
There are a lot of needs. But David is saying here, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to lack anything because he is the source of everything. The second fact is that there's nothing that I need that God can't supply. Philippians 4, verse 19. And God will supply all, circle that word, you'll ever need from his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that I need that God can't supply. And why would he do that? Because of our relationship with him. It says, in Christ, will you circle that? God is a good God. He is a good shepherd. And he is going to be good to you even when you're not good. Because his goodness towards you isn't based on who you are or how you're doing at this time. It is based on who he is. And because you are in Christ, God says, guess what? I am going to be good to you. The third fact is this. God doesn't want you and me to worry about anything. Nothing. Zip. Nada. Zero. God doesn't want us to worry about anything. Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, we've talked about this. You can pray or you can panic. And if you're not praying, guess what? You're panicking. You can either worry or you can worship. If you're not worshiping, you're going to be worrying. That's why last week I shared a psalm, uh, Psalms 34, verse 9, that says, Worship opens the door to all of God's goodness. Folks, it opens the door to help us see who God is, and He is an unchanging God. He says, I'm unchanging, I'm the source of everything. And I will meet your needs, and you don't have to worry about it. I'm Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Now, those are three facts that are unchanging, that never change. Jesus comes along, God's son, in his earthly ministry, and he does a famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, he gives us five reasons why we shouldn't worry. So let me give you these, because these are really important. They give us a better understanding of who this God is that we know. The first one is this, that worry is unreasonable. It's illogical. It is irrational. Uh, Matthew 6, 25 do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink. And don't worry about your body or what you'll wear. Your life is far more important than clothes. Now, for some of you, that was just revelation, okay? <laughs> because you, you, you thought, hey, the clothes make the person. But in reality, that's not true at all. Uh, folks, it, it's in a crisis that you really know who's behind the clothes, okay? It, your true character is revealed. But Jesus is saying this, that worry is unreasonable. Why? Because oftentimes we worry about the small things. How, how I look. Hey, how's my hair right now? What about my nails, okay? We worry about the small things. But I say this, 
If you're going to worry, and you shouldn't, but if you're going to worry, don't worry about the small things, right? Uh, Worry about the eternal things. Another reason is that to worry about something that can't change is useless. To worry about what can change, I say this, is stupid. Just go ahead and change it, right? But to worry about what can't change is useless. And yet we like to worry. (laughs) I know I do. We like to worry because we think somehow we can control it, okay? And I think the final reason, though, is this, that the more we worry, the bigger whatever we're worrying about gets. We start hearing things on the news and we start stewing on those 24-7, though we may have only seen it maybe an hour or whatever, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Have you noticed that? Worry makes things bigger. It's unreasonable. The second thing that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is that worry is unnatural. It's interesting. Human beings are the only thing that has been made by God that worries. Ants don't worry. Dogs don't worry. Cats don't worry. You know, birds don't worry. The only thing that God has ever made are human beings that worry who are in rebellion to God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a couple of examples. He gives us a bird example and he gives us a flower example. The bird example is in verse 26. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's saying there, if God takes care of the birds, folks, he's going to take care of you. Then he gives a bird or a flower example. He says, and why worry about your clothes? Look at the field lilies. They don't worry about theirs. Yet King Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as beautifully as they. I don't know if you've ever slowed your life down long enough to really look at a flower to see the intricacy, the design, the beauty. Jesus is saying here that these flowers are beautiful just the way they are and they don't even worry about it. Jesus comes along and he gives two examples from nature. He gives us an example about birds. He says, go out and bird watch. If there's anything that is on God's welfare system, folks, it's birds. All they do is poop on your car and tweet. And yet God takes care of them. And then he says, take a look at uh, uh, the flowers, a botany lesson. And he says, look at the flowers. They're beautiful just the way they are. And you are just as beautiful as them and even better. You're beautiful just the way you are. He is saying, just like the rest of creation doesn't worry, you too shouldn't worry. But Pastor George, you don't understand. I was born a worrier, okay? I mean, I was born one. No, you weren't. No baby or young child ever worries. Worry is a learned response. And because it's learned, you and I can unlearn it. God is saying here in this sermon that you are special. Well, how do you know that, Pastor George? How do you know that I'm special from the rest of the creation? Because he didn't describe himself in those examples. I'm the father of birds. 
I am the father of flowers. No, he says, I am your heavenly father. You are special. If you're sitting with someone watching this, you turn to them. If not, when you're done with this message, I want you to say, you are special. Worry is unreasonable. It is unnatural. Third, worry is unhelpful. It doesn't work. It's worthless. It doesn't change anything. Matthew 6, 27, Jesus says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Folks, worry doesn't change anything. It will not make you one inch taller. It will not make you one inch shorter. It can't add one hour to your day, but it can lessen your lifespan. Research has been done about this. People who worry and have heavy stressors, they live fewer days and years. Worry isn't productive. It is stewing without doing. It is investing a lot of emotional energy that, that, that doesn't make any progress in your life. It's like a rocking chair. A lot of energy is expended rocking back and forth or back and forth. You know, I don't have rhythm and beat, but there you go. And no progress is made. Worry doesn't change a thing. And by the way, worrying about others doesn't change them either. You know what it does? It just makes us miserable. I want you to follow me with this. Worry can't change your past. It's already done. Worry can't control the future. Folks, it's not here yet. All worry does is it messes up the present. Take a look at Proverbs 12, 25. Worry weighs us down. Worry leads to discouragement and depression and despair. And those emotions are signals, they are indicators of God saying, you know what, you weren't designed to carry those things. In fact, it's interesting. Worry is a whole lot worse than work. When you and I carry things, I don't know, like a 40-pound backpack of, of survival gear, let's say, you will be physically tired. But when you worry, not only are you physically tired, but you are emotionally drained. In these past few weeks, have you heard yourself say, you know what, I don't know why I've been home all day, but I am physically, I am tired physically, but I am emotionally exhausted. And yet the Bible says a heart at peace is filled full of life. Worry is unreasonable. It is unnatural. It is unhelpful. And fourth, worry is unnecessary. The fourth thing Jesus teaches in this Sermon on the Mount is that worry is unnecessary. Now, why is that? Because he has promised that he will lead, feed, and he'll meet needs. Folks, we know from last week that God is a good God, that he is a good shepherd. We know today that he is the source of all things. And he has promised that he will meet our needs, that he will lead, feed, and meet needs. 
When I was growing up as a kid, young kid, I, I never once worried about my needs. I would come to my dad, and honestly, for the most part, I would, I, I'd say, Dad, I need this. And my dad, my dad met that need. I, I never worried where dad was getting it from. Never wondered, wonder where he's getting this money. Why? Because that was not my responsibility. That was his a lot of times we worry about what isn't our responsibility. In other words, we begin to take on the responsibility of others that God has never designed us to take on. And when we do that, we in essence are playing that person. And if we're doing that for God, guess what? We're playing God. And so worry, a definition is assuming responsibility for being something that God has never intended for you to be. God says, I'm a good God, and I'm good all the time. And all the time I'm good, and I have all, uh, I am the source of all the, the, uh, the resources, and I can meet all your needs. Take a look at this out of Matthew 6, verse 30. If God cares so wonderfully, even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? He's saying there, I'm going to assume responsibilities for you to meet your needs. I'm the father, he's saying, and I'm a good father. I'm, a, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to meet your needs. Why would God do that? Because you're special. You are special. Well, in what way are we special? We are eternal. We're not like the flowers that are temporal. Here today and gone tomorrow. No, we are eternal. Think about this. What logic is there to trust God for him to forgive us so that we have eternal life and are able to live with him in heaven? Our eternal destiny, our home ultimately, and not trust him for temporary things, for my house payment, for my car payment, for a job. Some of us have lost jobs. Folks, the, the emails have been coming in. Trust God to manage this new household of mine with, I don't know, four, five, six people in it, homeschooling, whatever. What's the logic of trusting God with the, bi the, the big things of our, e our, our, our eternal future and not trust him with smaller things? Folks, it, it just doesn't make sense. If God can be trusted for our salvation, for our eternity, folks, then he can be trusted to carry our load, to carry our temporal load of the needs that we have that we have. Let me put it like this. Let's just say because of this COVID-19, I am walking home from work with a backpack on my back, and I am carrying a 40-pound load of survival gear. You pull up beside me, and you ask, hey, George, do you want to get in the car? I'll be glad to take you home. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to get to home on time to have dinner, so yeah, I'll jump in. And I jump in your car. About five minutes down the road, you look over, and I'm still wearing that backpack. And you say, 
Pastor George, why don't you throw that backpack in the back seat? Ah, I'll get us all there safely. And I look at you and I say, are you crazy? This is my survival gear. I'm not going to let go of that. Now, you would look at me already thinking, you know what, Pastor George is really strange because he wears a Hawaiian shirt every day. But now I know that he's not only strange, he is stupid. (laughs) God, or folks, God is a good God. And he is good all the time. He's our good shepherd. And he is the source of all that we need. And he says, I will lead, feed, and I will meet your needs. I will carry your temporal backpack for you. Worry is unreasonable, it's unnatural, it's unhelpful, it's unnecessary, and then lastly, it is unbelief. Every time you doubt God, you and I are playing like, a, like being an atheist. We're acting like we don't even know God. Now understand something. God understands our humanity. You've heard me say this many times, that we need to accept our humanity. And God understands that we're human. And he understands that we doubt him. Okay? Our prayer oftentimes as we come to God, God, I believe, but help me with my unbelief, right? He understands our humanity. But God has said, I will meet your needs. Philippians 4, 19, Uh, let me just read this. You can be sure that God will take care of everything, not some things, everything, because of what Jesus has done for us. Again, I'll say this, God is good to us, not based on how good we are or how good we aren't. It's based on who he is, and he is a good God, and he has promised, I will meet your needs. But when you and I doubt God, We are saying, I don't really know God. And we are acting like an atheist. Take a look at Matthew 6, 32. People who don't know God and the way he works, they worry over these things. Though These things are the material things. Now let me be honest with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ personally, if you haven't dropped him from your head and your heart, you have everything to worry about. Because you are carrying your own load. You have to solve your own problems. You have to be God. And you're not God. And either am I. So where do we start? Whether we have forgotten who God is or whether we don't know God. Where do we start? Folks, we start with an attitude of humility. God, you're God and I'm not. God, I understand. I'm not a plant. I'm not an animal. I am a person made in your image, and I am special. I I am special beyond the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and the moon up above. I am special above all creation, and I know that you love me, and I'm going to put my trust in you. Take a look at John 14, verse 1. Jesus said, do not be worried. Believe in God. Believe in me. How do you do that? Well, it's as we know that God is a good God. But today, 
We need to understand that he is a God of all the resources and that he has promised that he'll meet all of our needs and that we shouldn't worry about him. How do we do that? How do we put our faith in him when we believe and yet we have unbelief? Let me give you four things. This is not rocket science. The first one is simply this. Every day ask him to be your shepherd. If I ask him to be my shepherd, he, he will lead, feed, and he will meet needs. And so every day when you wake up, say, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. You are a good shepherd, and I want you to meet my need uh, of sanity. i got to manage this household. God, I, I've, got to, I've got to be calm in my spirit as I think about the future and maybe a possible furlough or a job loss. God, I, I've, got to, I've got to know that you are with me as I'm in my apartment, as a single, all by myself right now. It, it, to ask God, God, be my shepherd. Take a look at John 14, or 10, 14, and 15. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. And I lay down my life for my own sheep. If God loved you enough to die for you, folks, God loved you, loves you enough to provide for you. He says, I will carry your backpack. Notice how David said this out of Psalms 28, verse 9. Come, save us and bless us, Lord. Be our shepherd and always carry us in your arms. When I took my kids and my grandkids to Disney World, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago now, uh, my grandkids, they walked as much as their little legs would, would walk. And at the end of the day, I noticed that they just couldn't carry their load anymore. They were pooped. And what my kids did, their moms and dads did, is that they picked them up and they carried them back to the car and back into their home. Come to God. He's your good shepherd. Say to him, God, I'm pooped. In fact, I'm too pooped to pop. Will you carry my load? And he will. Ask him each day, God, be my shepherd. The second thing, and this is important, is give him first place in every area of your life. Now, if you have dropped Jesus from your head into your heart, you have, give to, you have given him your life. He's number one in your life, but it's possible that you have not given him access to every area of your life. You want to say, God, I want to make you number one in every area. In my personal life, in my family life, in my marriage life, in my vocational, my job, in my business life, in my financial life. I want you to be number one in every area of my life. Why is that important? Well, let me explain. There's a few points I'd want to bring out. But the first one is this. God has promised that he'll meet our needs. But that promise comes with a premise. Take a look at this out of Matthew 6, 32 and 33. Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need, and he, and he will give you what you need if, will you circle that word, you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. God knows everything that you need. 
Nothing takes God by surprise. COVID-19 did not take uh, God by surprise. Oh my God, I, I didn't know that that was going to come throughout the whole world. It, it didn't take God by surprise that maybe you're going a little crazy with all those kids in the house, homeschooling them, and you're frantic about that. How do I do this? God didn't go, oh my goodness, I, that, where did that come from? No, nothing takes God by surprise. But God allows those things to come into our life so that we will turn to him, so that we will trust him, and he can meet that need. And it says that he will. It doesn't say that he might. It says that he will. But there's one condition. And that is if you make him number one in that area. You've got to give him access. You've got to put that in to his hands. Now let me tell you how this works because a lot of unjust criticism comes on people who say, well, I'll pray for that as if doing doesn't come up. Folks, at LifePoint, we are doers, okay? We love the community that we're in. We have demonstrated that over the last 31 years. But let me tell you how this works in the way of prayer. Any area that you do not give to God in prayer, you make him number one in. You will worry about. You will be insecure about. If you've given God your family, guess what? You won't worry about that. If you've made him number one in your family, you won't worry about that. But if you have not made him number one, let's say in your job, you're going to be worried about that. You're going to feel insecure about it. Whatever you worry about, guess what? That isn't what is... No that isn't what God is number one of. And that worry is an indication of mixed signals. Yes, Jesus is number one of my life, but I haven't given him number one in this area. It is an indication that you have mixed signals, that you are a double-minded man. And the, James says that you, because of that, are unstable in all your ways. However, when that worry comes up and you make Jesus number one in that area, what that does is that simplifies your priorities. And when you simplify your priorities, your worry is reduced. It's kind of like the number of possessions that we own. The more possessions I have, the more things I have to worry about. The fewer possessions that I have, the fewer things I have to worry about. And so when you make Jesus number one in every area of your life, you are actually giving him ownership of those things. You are simplifying your priorities and your worries become fewer. Now, I want to say this. This is also true with money. I have been around the world. I have been in the poorest countries and I've been in the wealthiest countries. And can I just say this? People worry about money everywhere. They worry if they have a little and they worry and people worry when they have a lot. People worry when they have a little about trying to get more. And people who have money, guess what? They worry about not losing it. Everybody everywhere worries about money. But when you and I 
Make him number one in every area of our life. Our worry, we become worryless. And so I say, the Lord is my shepherd. I give him first place in everything. And then number three, I pray. I give him those worries through prayer and I relax. I come to God and I say, God, I am worried about this. And I'm specific about it. God, I'm worried about the hectic schedule that's going on within the household. God, I, I, I'm worried about being furloughed. I'm worried about this job loss. God, I'm worried about being lonely. I'm worried, God, about uh, uh, being out on the street, maybe being pulled over because I wasn't supposed to be out. I, I don't know, but whatever it is, you give that to God. Last week, I encouraged you to make a list of ways that God was blessing your life because God is Okay, in life there are bad things that are happening. At the same time, there are good things that are happening. And if you want to bring stability in your life, you've got to focus not just on those things that are kind of going crazy in our world, but you've got to focus and acknowledge those blessings. This week, I want to encourage you to write down every worry that you have. I want you to identify them. And then I want you to give them to Jesus in prayer. Take a look at 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all. Will you circle that word? All means all, all the time. Give him your vocational worries, your mental worries, your relational worries, your physical, emotional worries. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. Now here's why this works. When you and I push down one worry after another worry after another worry down inside of us, watching 24-7 cable news, and we get this worry and that worry and that worry, and we, we hold on to them and we push them down within us, before long we have this, this generalized anxiety going on within us and we don't even know why because all those worries have clouded our vision. But if we, like I shared this past Wednesday, and if you haven't seen that, you need to go to the website where I gave a five-minute little devotional. But if you and I will just pause and pray and give those things to God, identifying them one at a time, then our worry is reduced. Why? Because we know who our God is, that he is our good shepherd, and that he is the source of everything, and that he will meet our needs. It's interesting, as I've studied Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 32, he talks about people who are running here and running there for, for these things, those things being materialistic things. That word run in the Greek literally means frantically. They are running frantically after materialism. You seen any of that going on in our world? Heard any about any of that going on? in stores, I say this, don't repress it, don't suppress it, confess it one at a time and you will see your worry less and this is what will happen in your life. Take a look at Matthew 4, verses six and seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God about all your needs and thank him for all he's done for you. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace, 
which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. This is called a peace that passes all understanding. It is a peace that goes beyond our minds, that goes beyond reason. It is, a, so to speak, an irrational peace. It is a peace that causes you to stand above the crowd as everybody else is frantically going here and there, trying to get this and trying to get that. People will notice that you are different. So every day, the Lord is my shepherd. Give him first place in everything. Pray and give him every worry, one at a time, and relax. And then finally, trust him for one day at a time. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says this, Don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have its own worries. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Would anybody, like to, would anybody agree with that right now? My guess is we all would, okay? We got enough going on. We don't need to be borrowing tomorrow's problems and bringing them in to today. And yet a lot of times we do. God's told us, you know what? I'm only gonna give you grace for today. I'm only gonna give you the desire and power to do my will today. Why does God say that? Why does he want us to just live one day at a time? Well, there's a number of reasons that come to my mind. One is that when you and I worry about tomorrow, we miss today's blessings. And folks, there's all kinds of blessings going on in our world right now. And not only that, you can't solve tomorrow's problems with today's power. That isn't how it works. So as your pastor, let me just say this. It's okay to plan. The Bible tells us that we need to plan. Planning is good, but worrying is bad. God measures out life one day at a time. And he says, I want you to take it on one day at a time. Plan for the future, but don't worry about the future. Matthew 6, 34. I love this out of the message. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Worry is unhelpful, unreasonable, unnatural, unnecessary, and unbiblical. Now, before we close, I want you to be encouraged about LifePoint Church. And first of all, I want you to be encouraged about our commitment to you, which are five. We have, are committed to communicate with you regularly. That is called fellowship. Secondly, we are committed to help you be spiritually healthy during this time. One of the ways is by you being in community. My small group, we Zoomed this week. Thirdly, we have committed to help you. If you get sick, we will serve you, okay? And there are four people who have not had coronavirus but have had emergency surgeries this week. And we have been there serving them, meeting their needs with their kids and their family in the way of food and things such as that. And we are committed to continue to worship at 1030.
That's called celebration. And lastly, we will help you reach your neighbors. So we're committed. And I'm excited about how this is happening in our church. We are getting lots of emails. We are praying for people. We are getting meals out. We are, we are distributing toilet paper. Devotionals have been going out. We've been giving uh, different types of uh, things online for our children to help with homeschooling, to, to help with Bible, uh, Bible lessons, Sunday school. We've been doing that with the students. Let me tell you, the church has risen. We are helping uh, other partners in our community. Razor, we, we've been helping um, uh, some of our other uh, partners, okay, in meeting needs. And so I just want you to know, church, I am proud of you. Before I close, we're going to take our offering. 60% of what comes into the church comes through the offering plate. And though we're doing this virtual, we got a different offering plate this week. I want you, before I pray, I want you to text 73256. And in the little message, type in Life Point Church, one word. Life Point Church, one word, and it will take you to where you can give. It's our offering plate for today. We are here to meet your needs. But as you help us to kind of maintain uh, the, the, the status quo, so to speak, we can continue to meet your needs and continue to meet the needs in our community, which I am proud of us doing right now. So with that, let me pray. Dear Father, I thank you that you are a good God and that you are good all the time and that you are the source of everything that we need and that you have told us that you will meet our needs, that you will lead, feed, and meet our needs and that we don't have to worry, that we can rest and relax. And God, we want to come to you in all honesty and say to you, we are those who believe, but help us with our unbelief. God, we are those who worship, but we worry too. We are those who panic, and yet, God, we, we pray. And yet, God, we want to admit that to you. And we want to ask you, God, to help us. To help us in these practical ways of understanding who you are. That you are the God of all things that you're the source of everything that is good and that we can turn to you as our good father and that you will meet our needs. Right now, you may not have dropped Christ from your head to your heart and you've been carrying your own load. Can I just ask you, now's the time. In a crisis like this, now is the time to give your life to Christ. Will you just simply say this, God, I've been my own God. And right now, I understand that you are my shepherd and you are the source of all good things. I want to drop you from my head into my heart. Thank you for forgiving me of my selfishness, of my pride, of seeking to be my own God. God, thank you for what you're going to do in me and through me right now. If you prayed that prayer, would you let me know? Would you let me know at care at lifepointplano.org and we will help you with some more information.
God, you're good. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.